This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. We welcome you to Real Talk on this Wednesday. No, it's Tuesday. It's Tuesday for sure. And it's also for sure December 20th. Thanks for tuning in, whether you're doing this live streaming on YouTube, maybe you're listening to us on the Mixler live streaming audio app presented by California Closets or catching this later by downloading our podcast or checking out our YouTube channel. We appreciate it. We're going local today as uh, we welcome His Worship Edmonton's mayor to the Real Talk studio here in Edmonton's historic Mercer Warehouse, Amarjeet Sohi. It's nice to have you here. We've spoken many times before, but never on, on Real Talk face-to-face, and, and so it's nice we, to get you in the building. Here we are, and uh, thanks for the coffee. Yeah, hey, you're very welcome. <laughs> Out of your very own Real Talk mug, there you have it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been, um, you, you, you haven't, uh, I mean, I know that the, the life of a mayor or city councilor, for that matter, uh, you know, it's, it's never boring. Uh, you're mm-hmm. always out and about, especially this time of year with uh, yeah. many different community and religious groups celebrating. However, uh, you and your council colleagues have, have essentially been shuttered in at City Hall for what sounded like a pretty contentious budget process, a four-year budget that was just passed uh, late last week. You want yeah. to take us into where your head's at, having it all said and done now? Oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, no, this was the uh, four-year budget process that we have to go through uh, to pass that four-year budget. Uh, it was very rigorous process, uh, sometimes uh, tense, obviously, because we are... Uh, uh, trying to shift our thinking, how we build a city that uh, that is for everyone. Uh, so uh, uh, some uncomfortable conversations uh, uh, need to take place and uh, they will continue to take place. Uh, uh, our goal is to uh, make sure that we are taking a strong action in uh, in improving the lives of all Edmontonians and particularly those who have been left behind. Uh, by the society, whether they are people uh, from racialized communities, whether people from um, indigenous communities, or people who have not been really seen the prosperity that uh, uh, that others have seen, right? So I think this was really a uh, a budget focused uh, uh, on uh, on lifting everyone up, uh, investing in services that uh, make people's life better. And also taking a very stronger action on uh, cities' responsibilities around climate change, uh, affordable housing, and investing in core services. What were what were some of the most uncomfortable conversations? You say there were some. What were the most? I see. Whenever you're trying to challenge the status quo, uh, you will have some uncomfort. Uh, in in that conversation, particularly, for example, uh, uh, over the last uh, few years, we have been um, talking a lot about what what role we need to play on reconciliation with indigenous communities, or role we need to play on anti-racism, building a city that is truly, truly inclusive. Uh, so we are moving forward on that aspect, uh, as well as. Uh, you know, a lot of people sometimes don't think that cities have a role to play tackling climate change. Uh, so, you know, you saw the discussion on bike lanes, for example. Mm. Uh, you know, a lot of people question uh, council's decision, but we made the right decision. I think that uh, those are the things that we need to do to, uh, to empower uh, Edmontonians uh, uh, in, uh, in, in, in and enabling them to do their role, play their role in uh, reducing their carbon footprint in the city and also provide a sustainable mode of transportation that people can use. Uh, affordable housing. Uh, we are first time uh, in, uh, in, uh, in, in my memory that we are making affordable housing commitments permanent right in the base budget. So that was obviously uh, some councils didn't appreciate that, and uh, 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 but it's our role to make sure that we're lifting everyone up. Yeah, there's and 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 plainly put, you know, a lot of people are going to be listening to this podcast because they're going to want to hear the mayor uh, talking how real people talk. A lot of times, people try to follow politics, and we get into the weeds, especially on budget coverage, and yeah. people's eyes gloss over because it's, it's there's capital and operating, and there's a bunch of numbers, and it's hard it's hard to keep track of. But one of the things that jumps out that people will talk about at pubs or coffee shops or with their friends is a hundred million dollars for bike lanes, right? Yeah. And in the context of a big budget. 
Uh, really, I'm not describing it as a drop in the bucket. I think it's bad optics to describe $100 million as a drop in the budget. But relatively speaking, it's not as big of an expenditure as you might expect, considering the amount of airplay it gets, considering so let, the amount of conversation so, it gets. So let's put this in context. Uh, we approved $7 billion of uh, uh, capital budget, which is to fix what we have, build more infrastructure such as Yellowhead Trail, uh, such as investing millions, millions of dollars in uh, upgrading Terwilliger Drive, such as the 50th Street, 82nd Avenue uh, uh, rail crossing, great separation that is such an irritant for people in the, in the southeast part of the city. Uh, so why do you think that bike so, lanes are so contentious? So $100 million is 1.2% of that total cost. I think because for some reason this debate got polarized. Bike lanes and uh, uh, are, are some reason, I don't know why. I'm still trying to understand this. But it is city council's responsibility to provide transportation choices to all Edmontonians. And there are Edmontonians who want a cycle. They want to get through the city, move through the city with sustainable mode of transportation. So it is our responsibility that we build infrastructure that is safer for all of us, including those who wish to bike or have to bike. Sure. There are so many low-income Edmontonians can't afford a car. What do you do? They have don't have access to public transit. So what do you do? You tell them go keep on riding on uh, on the roads that that are dangerous for you. Right? It's not. It is not a response. It is the responsibility of the city to make sure all the infrastructure that we build is safer for people to use, and also for the long term. For the long term, creating those choices for Edmontonians. Yeah, you, you use the word sustainability, and there's yeah. the one interpretation of it. Obviously, we've been doing a lot of talk about COP27 and COP15 and, and environmental sustainability. The business community will want to talk about sustainability through a different lens. Yeah. Is that on your radar, or to what degree is that on your radar, that, that a lot of the people that are contributing a great deal on the property tax front, yeah. the people that are that are owning the commercial buildings, the entrepreneurs that are really putting their necks out, are feeling like this is a council that does not represent their best interests? Not that specific counselors might not, but the theme that I'm getting yeah. from the business community in Edmonton is, is, quite frankly, Mayor, they're terrified of this council. What's your message to them? Well, I, I, they have no reason to be terrified. Uh, I have been very accessible and open uh, uh, to uh, to engaging with business leaders uh, throughout the city. And we are, uh, I think the last estimates I gathered, we are investing close to $300 million in the revitalization of downtown. And in this budget, we uh, created more grant funding for the revitalization of the downtown. And, and we are first time, we are focusing on the recovery in Chinatown, a community that has been neglected, businesses that have been neglected. In this budget, we also approved, uh, which I'm very excited about, uh, the creation of an innovation fund uh, that we're going to pilot, giving support to uh, entrepreneurs uh, who have ideas but they don't have the resources to turn those ideas into tangible things. Uh, we are also unlocking uh, industrial land development in the city so this budget is a is is a is a combination of a number of things from economic growth to taking action on uh, on affordability of housing climate change climate change offers so much economic potential in our city one thing we're doing is uh, uh, retrofitting our buildings we, we own buildings so who will retrofit those buildings the contractors and who will work on those buildings workers so it is all about the economy. Every If we're going to build another 3,000 affordable housing units, who are going to build those housing units? Contractors, businesses. So everything, infrastructure, all $6 billion that we're investing is related to economic growth. Who are the people going to do that work? Businesses. So I think it's very, I don't think it's, a, I don't think it's a, a, a helpful for us to kind of segment uh, uh, our uh, our areas and saying this is business, this is community. Everything is together. Everything we do helps each 
help all of us, including businesses. It's, it's no secret that downtown Edmonton's in trouble in a number of different contexts. And, and, and to a certain degree, it's not limited. There have yeah. been downtown cores across the country and around the world, for that matter, yeah. that have been impacted by COVID and other factors. Uh, oil prices have impacted downtown Calgary to a great degree, as an example. But it's no secret that downtown Edmonton's in trouble. Oh, absolutely. And on a number of fronts, including crime. And I want to ask you about that provincial task force that you don't love uh, in just a second. But, but right now, what do you think is the secret sauce for, for bringing back Edmonton's downtown? What's one thing that as a mayor you're really prioritizing to get downtown back to where it needs to be? So uh, working with Downtown Business Association, uh, we are doing more regular uh, daily cleanup of streets and back alleys, uh, uh, picking up needles. Uh, uh, we are allocating more resources to bring more people, more festivals, for example. Uh, last uh, In the last budget, we allocate funding. Uh, I, I personally advocated for additional funding from Prairie Scan, which is a federal uh, department to uh, bring more life and ac- activity in the downtown. But our downtown is is not every downtown. I, I've been to Ottawa. They have similar challenges. I've been to Calgary. They have similar challenges. I've been to Toronto. They have similar. All downtowns are struggling because of the pandem- pandemic created social issues, particularly houselessness mental health and addictions. We will not be able to build a safer downtown until we tackle those issues at the root. And those are the provincial responsibilities that uh, province needs to recognize that if they really want to make our community a safer place, downtown a safer place, Chinatown a safer place, they need to tackle mental health issues. They need to tackle addiction issues. And they need to tackle houselessness issues because those are the real causes of what we're seeing in our downtown uh your council decided i think to the to the surprise and certainly to the chagrin of neighboring municipalities to walk away from a regional transit agreement yeah. um we welcomed uh, some some area politicians a counselor out of uh, strathcona county and the mayor of st albert kathy heron uh, yeah. to this program on friday along with one of your council colleagues sarah hamilton and here's what the mayor of st albert had to say about yeah. the 10 years of work that went into that evaporating this is kathy heron punched in the gut. That's exactly how I felt. I have been cheerleading regional service delivery, regionalism, regional transit, anything regional um, for my entire life as an elected official. And to see that happen um, was, in my opinion, Sarah, apologize, it felt um, self-serving to Edmonton and not thinking of the bigger picture. Self-serving, punch in the gut, not thinking of the bigger picture. What What do you say to your regional colleagues, the mayors that surround Edmonton? No, first of all, uh, you know, uh, Kathy is a, is, is a personal friend. Uh, we have worked together uh, when I was a city councillor and when I was a minister. Uh, I have great tons of respect uh, for her and my other colleagues in the region. Uh, and I hear them. I understand their frustration. Uh, but it's my responsibility as a steward of uh, uh, Edmontonians' uh, taxpayers that we make physically physically responsible decisions. And I asked the, these questions about our administration, from our administration, when will we have, uh, if if we go to a, 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 on a model where we run the entire uh, uh, transit system under a, a commission model, when will we get the benefits? When will it become as efficient as Edmonton Transit is? I was not given an answer. so. The decision, first of all, I'm a firm believer in a regional transit system. We need seamless, integrated regional transit system. What I objected to is the creation of a governance model that is very, very, very expensive, uh, that is so bureaucratic, 40% overhead. The $13 million that we were asked to contribute on an annual basis for foreseeable future would have gone 40% of that to administration to pay for consultants. That is not a responsible use of... Um, what you're uh, saying is you want Edmonton Transit to run the whole thing. No, That's what you not want. necessarily. I think uh, there are other models that we need to uh, need to explore that might be much, much cheaper than the, uh, than the commission model. I am committed to a regional transit system and we will find a way forward. And uh, I look forward to conversation with, with our regional partners, but this is just too expensive. It's not, and it's, it would not have 
produce the results that uh, that number of my colleagues think it can i i did not see any uh, efficiencies on the horizon i did not see when would it be 20 years before we get to that efficiency level would it be 10 years so can we make a commitment to continue to fund a system that is so uncertain and put in 13 million dollars of taxpayers money on an ongoing basis. So that's the decision that we needed to make. Yeah. I mean, I will say and I know that I'm comparing operating to capital and that's a dangerous move, but but if 100 millions nothing on bike lanes, 13 millions really nothing on regional transit, right? You've got a a guy, you know West Broadhead was worked with Edmonton Transit for 35 years and he's a counselor out in St. Albert now. I mean, he went on the record and said trust is broken. For you to say that you remain committed to a regional transit agreement, I mean, how are you going to rebuild trust with these mayors that feel like a decade's worth of work has just evaporated? I do. I I understand that, and I think we have organizations that are very strong. Our region is mature. Uh, uh, the EMRB, which is our regional body of uh, municipal thirteen municipalities, where we sit down and talk about uh, 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 how we work together, and uh, as well as Edmonton Global, which we are significant contributors. Uh, Edmonton contributes to uh, all the regional bodies, and we will continue to work together and find a. Uh, find ways to uh, move forward, even uh, also on uh, on the regional transit system. I just, uh, I councillors couldn't majority of us couldn't find uh, mm. the reason that why would be investing thirteen million dollars taxpayers' money on an ongoing basis into a system that has not produced results that I did not see that producing results into the future. Uh, obviously, a big job of a city council, yeah. uh, let alone regional collaboration, is to draw and attract international investment. Yeah. It's obviously key to revitalizing downtown. Yeah. It's key to filling a lot of the new condos and houses and duplexes and everything else that's going to be built. And a lot of people, including a former city councilor in Edmonton, uh, suggesting that while other regions around the world are, quote, playing Minecraft, Edmonton is playing snakes and ladders. Are you aware of or are you concerned about the message that no regional transit structure could send to international or foreign investors that, w- that would consider that to be a non-starter, no regional transit plan? I don't think foreign investors care who runs the system. They want a system that is functional. They want a system that is integrated and is our responsibility to build a system that is cost effective as well, right? So, uh, uh, and we're going to do that. We are doing that. Arc card, we introduced Arc with Arc card. You can get on any bus in the region without worrying about what the fares are or, uh, uh, or what the cap is on fares, right? Uh, uh, we have buses running from one community to the other. We need to build on that. I think there's ways we can move forward on, on that. You ask an investor from uh, New York or... Uh, Uh, or Beijing, uh, it, whether regional transit system is run by commission or regional municipalities, they care less. They what they want is integrated, seamless system, and we're going to build that system. You're talking about your council's approach, and you say you want to do things differently. You want to build the city a little bit differently than it has been in past, and and to a certain degree to serve populations that, in your perception and in reality, for that matter, have been underserved in past. Yeah. But but to the casual observer, it would appear as though councils split into two. And to a certain degree, there's new councilors that represent what appears to be a bit of a voting block. And then there's the old school councilors, uh, councilors with a little bit of experience. And and it doesn't appear at this point that this budget has the support. Well, certainly, I mean, the votes tell the tale, but but you've got Tim Cartmel and Sarah Hamilton, Andrew Knack, uh, who's obviously been a big supporter of yours through your run to become Edmonton's mayor in the fall of, of 2021. What's your message to the public that are looking at that and, and perceive this to be a split council, the experienced councilors and the new ones that yeah. have enough votes to get this stuff passed. Well, that's interesting, Ryan, because when we look, we did some analysis around uh, what the consensus looked like on all the items that we debated during the budget. There were a large number of amendments to the budget, and uh, majority of us voted for more than 83% of those amendments, whether that to reduce uh, expenditures or whether to increase expenditures. So that's a pretty good consensus that if majority of us, almost uh, uh, all of us, voted for vast majority of those uh, those amendments, so that tells you that there's a good consensus on council. As far as the final vote is concerned, uh, it is it is a process issue. 
in a way that you can vote for all the things that you want in the budget and to get them approved you can still vote against the budget the main motion of the budget this this some contradiction in the process that we need to we need to fix but overall a majority of the council members voted for reductions they also voted for addition addition to property taxes which would, would you characterize this council as in a healthy spot well, the I would vibe say, of the council well, absolutely this is a it, i think <laughs> i sometimes wonder like uh we do everything in public. All the decisions we made are in public. Most. Right? All the votes we make are in sure. public. Some confidential stuff needs to be discussed in private. Uh, and we debate vigorously. And it is our responsibility. It is council's responsibility to ask tough questions. It is councillor's responsibility to ask uncomfortable questions for the status quo. Uh, and we do that really well. Some people call it uh, tension, and I call it democracy. Hmm. It is democracy. I have to let you go. Uh, you have commitments through the morning, but I cannot let you go without asking you about a provincial task force on crime, homelessness, and addiction yeah. in Alberta's capital city. Uh, it's a, a task force that was put together by this conservative provincial government under Premier Danielle Smith. I'm curious to know. You've you've described. I, I don't remember the exact word. Did you call it unsanctioned? Uh, by city council, you're not. Hey, you're pissed off about this. Uh, they didn't. Well, sounds like you say they didn't consult you about this task force targeting your city. Take us into it. Well, I, I first of all, I welcome the creation of the task force, and I said that from day one because uh, I have been advocating province to own up to its responsibility of tackling mental health, addictions crisis, and houseless crisis in Edmonton. So I welcome. I think where I have concerns is that diverse voices are missing from the table. Uh, there are no pres presence of urban indigenous leaders on this table. There's no one from racialized communities on this table. There's no one from someone who, with a lived experience uh, uh, with addictions, with mental health challenges on this, uh, this table. And uh, there's no one from... Uh, public health sector, uh, people who do research into this area. I hope that the table will be expanded to include those voices because we need uh, we need spectrums of interventions to tackle these crises. We need to seriously look at the role of uh, safe supply, for example. Right? Um, we need to seriously look at the role of harm reduction, supervised consumption sites in, in for to stabilize people let me ask you yeah. about this because what can you do as mayor because this this guy and i can't speak for for premier smith uh but her her predecessor premier kenny had no time uh nor did his associate ministers for supervised consumption as a matter of fact they did everything that they could to pull funding and shut down supervised consumption but that is why it's so the important province. that's why it's so important ryan that at this task force all those diverse voices are present. So we can talk about all of those things and find the best solutions possible and not reject evidence-based solutions just because of ideological What reasons. levers can you pull as mayor? Uh, you know, we will continue to advocate. It's my responsibility to make sure that uh, I ask for the, those voices to be added, that I articulate that mm -hmm. uh, decisions needs to be comprehensive, that approaches should be comprehensive. Yes, uh, we were not consulted on the creation of this task force, uh, but I look forward to the results. I look forward to what it's going to offer because we need help. Edmontonians are dying every day in our streets. These are people I represent. These are our neighbors. These are our you know, friends. These are our community members. Uh, and, and, and we will do what we can in our capacity. But this is a provincial responsibility, and, uh, and they need to step up. And I hope uh, the recommendations coming out of the task force will be comprehensive to find sustainable long-term solutions. I do. I want to respect your time, and we're going to thank you for the interview. I will say as I leave, I, uh, to, to come into work today, I walked through our insulated garage. And, and despite the fact that that garage is insulated, I had all my mix for our Christmas parties, the soda water, the Coke, the ginger ale, it was all in there. And I came out this morning, despite the fact the garage is insulated, it had all exploded everywhere. 
I took the garbage out this morning. I didn't have my gloves on. My fingers started to tingle and hurt within 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. For, for people outside of Edmonton, it's now uh, the temperature, the thermometer is reading minus 35. The yeah. wind chill is well below minus 40. We understand that in these conditions, these are potentially fatal conditions yeah. for many of Edmonton's homeless population. Maybe in closing, Mr. Mayor, aside from the, the typical talking points, where is your head on that? You're, you're, you're here downtown. You're going to be walking out of here. I, I, I believe that you're walking to your next appointment. You came in bundled up like an Arctic explorer. Where is your head at as a community leader and a mayor through these winter months? You know, we already lost uh, uh, close to seven Edmontonians because of uh, they have no safe place to go to. That we know of. That we know of. Then there's others that we don't know of. Yeah. People are struggling. And it's the responsibility of the community to step up. So community is stepping up. You know, people make donations. Uh, they, uh, uh, you know, uh, the churches that are opening doors to welcome people. Uh, Al Rashid Mosque uh, is a is a good example that they open their doors to welcome. They're that, always and, doing uh, that, and many others are doing uh, doing the same, right? But these are kind of gestures of generosity and compassion that we continue to show. But we also need to call upon the leaders in our governments that have not stepped up to live up to their responsibilities to find long-term solutions to this crisis. And I will always, always go out of my way to meet with anyone who wants to meet with us to talk about the crisis we're facing. It is hurting our people, it is killing our people, it is hurting our businesses. Uh, it is scaring away investment from our communities because of the disorder that people see. And this is a crisis that we need to tackle. And during this uh, holiday season, I will continue to encourage Edmontonians to show compassion toward uh, uh, our fellow Edmontonians who are struggling uh, with houselessness, mental health, uh, and addictions trauma. And uh, a large number of them are indigenous community members, and they have gone through pain caused by colonization, by residential schools, and those communities are still living through that pain. It is a fundamental responsibility uh, to, uh, to make sure that we do everything that we can in our capacity, in our ability to fix the problems and look for, uh, find long-term sustainable solutions. That's His Worship, the Mayor of Edmonton, Amarjeet Sohi, in a one-on-one exclusive right here in the new Real Talk studio, downtown Edmonton, where we're proud to make an investment. Thanks for making time for us. Thank you for having me. Happy holidays, Mayor, and thanks to your team members that hung out with us this morning. This interview uh, was presented by Real Talk sponsors that that believe in the importance of tackling issues head on. That includes the team at California Closets. You know, many years ago, I first partnered with the team at California Closets and, of course, invited them into our home. And uh, boy, did they ever do an unbelievable job getting us organized. I'll tell you, my wife and I have these walk-ins now built into a heritage home. They did all the tweaking that was necessary. They moved all the stuff around. And of course, you know how these old houses go, right? It, it, it takes some real craftsmanship to make the shelves line up straight, to make the doors and the drawers close perfectly. But they do. I say to Cam and his team at California Closets, I say, you know what I love most about our California Closets? When I close the drawers and, and when I close those panel doors, you can like slam them. And then right at the last minute, they just slow right down and close so snugly if you know the feeling you know the feeling there's something different something elevated about a california closet setup into 2023 we're going to be talking to you about an entirely new division of their business california closets garage where you can bring your garage to a whole new level maybe stop all your ginger ale and soda water and coke from exploding all over the place know what i mean you can check them out online today at californiaclosets.ca when you're looking at waste removal recycling management for that matter water hauling and temporary fences and portable toilets and all the services that communities need whether it's a construction site or whether it's a festival look no further in alberta and saskatchewan than local environmental services proudly headquartered out of edmonton whitecourt and regina they can 
put together a quote that'll virtually guarantee you a better deal than whoever you're doing business with right now. You can keep it local today. Learn how communities deserve better and get better when they go to localenvironmental.ca. We were talking to you about Apex Automation just the other day. Johnny, I'm trying to figure out if Charles Adler sent his uh, application in. <laughs> Yesterday, he's like, I'm going to go work for Apex Automation. It sounds like their corporate culture, the corporate culture there is second to none. John and I worked their Christmas party together on Friday. It's just an unbelievable group of people looking out for their fellow employees. They crowdfunded a condo down payment for one of their team members that had a tough year. Can you believe it? When they say they value people over profits, they prove it at Apex Automation. You can check them out online, including Careers Link. If you're a professional engineer looking for a change of pace, apexautomation.ca. And a shout out to Mike and his family-owned business, Eden Landscaping. Their team, they don't take the winter off. No, they may hang up the shovels and they may park the bobcats for a little while, but then they start pulling property reports. They start drafting plans to bring outdoor spaces to life. And the minute that that ground thaws in the spring, they're back at it. Excavation, retaining walls, water features, outdoor kitchens. You can check out their portfolio today at landscapeedmonton.ca. Make contact now so your space is brought to life right in time for hosting through the summer season. Well, our thanks to Amarjeet Sohi for joining us. I'll be honest, I wasn't uh, paying close attention to the live chat. Every once in a while, when you're talking to someone face-to-face, if you're like me, you just want to burn holes in their eyeballs with yours. You know what I mean? And and really stick with them and take in everything that he had to say. But but I do want to go back and, and see how that interview was landing with some of you. I see that Kathy right now says, I'm not sure how much money some of the counselors think that Edmontonians have. Now, I know when you're talking about a budget, numbers can start swimming around in your head and it can be a lot but over the next four years the budget property taxes will rise by approximately five percent year after year it's like 4.92 4.96 numbers like that right around five percent and of course people represent different perspectives the mayor planting his flag right out of the gates in that interview talking about marginalized populations people that he feels or believes or that there's evidence have been underserved in past budgets or with past approaches to city building but on the flip side of course there's that statement that we're deciding or this council will build this city differently and of course that's bound to make some people nervous right it's going to make some people nervous right here it says uh jill says there's no such thing you know for example as free parking a lot of people are talking about free parking he says either parking is paid for by those who use it or by property taxes if we're okay with free parking we should have free transit that's an interesting point there tony she says it's getting very hard to defend the decisions of this council these days says i believe with regards you know their approach to parking and transit it feels like it's totally off the mark kimberly says i was surprised to see bike lanes being removed on victoria trail says i'm not familiar with edmonton but that seems like a regressive move meantime anna says how great to see mayor sohi on the show the show needs more fearless rather uh, anna says the world needs more fearless visionaries yeah the show too uh, anna says change what's always been done enough of the that's not how we do things here anna says screw that uh sharon says we need electric buses and mass transit i know there has been a move to integrate electric buses into edmonton's system plane power says bike lanes are so misunderstood and totally politicized it's really stupid says plane power that people are so angry about something that costs so little we were talking about that on the show the other day right even with sarah hamilton who people perceive to be Mm -hmm. i I found that her face kind of twisted when she heard this but people perceive to be Sarah Hamilton as as the conservative city councilor. Mm-hmm. There's like Tim Cartmel and Sarah Hamilton are like the conservative city councilors. Mm-hmm. But even Councilor Hamilton on Friday, people should check out that roundtable if they didn't. She acknowledged, uh, or let me say she lamented the fact that, that bike lanes become so politicized. She said yeah. she doesn't inherently oppose bike lanes. And she did acknowledge that they become kind of a left versus a right talking point, which I'm not sure makes sense. I know conservatives that love to ride their bikes. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't ride a bike to work, but just yesterday, looking out the window here at like 1130 when we were doing work, I saw three people 
in like 10 minutes biking downtown in this minus 30 which is feels wild. like minus 40 icy roads so you know people there's people without vehicles and they need to get around and the buses we all know they aren't you know that uh reliable in terms of you know commuting and, and getting from one well, now to you're the picking ne- fights well hey some of the things work and some of them don't but i mean we need things for everybody right so i just don't understand how people who who can't relate uh, just want to take something away from someone who uses it to get to their job or or, or home or, or whatever yeah. they got to do, pick their kids up from school We're or whatever. We're not mentioning the people that got DUIs that are going to be riding their bikes for the next year. Exactly. People <laughs> trying to turn their life around. Seriously, though. No, I'm people not, trying I'm to not turn even their trying to be funny. Around, it's right? true. Yeah. There are people from 100 different circumstances, right? Yeah. It could just be people that enjoy quality of life. It could be enjoy people that need the It could be people that need the exercise. It could be 100%. Wh- whatever and the I situation And I think that's is. what people think. They think these are for the greenies or whatever and the, and the environmentalists. So screw them. It's, it's not just those people. It's yeah. people who... Who are, um, I like this comparison from from Tanya, who says fighting about bike lanes is like the municipal version of, of fighting over masks. And it seems to be less about evidence and more about political ideology. And I think that that's a fair point. I really do. Um, I, I saw that I did see that somebody Tracy here says real talk. Good morning to the real talk community. I love how you put that. Tracy says sustainability has been a buzzword for like 10 years now in the public sector. You know, social services, education, health care. I tried to make the point during that interview that sustainability also has business implications if businesses aren't sustainable they're going to shut down or leave i talked to a restaurateur on saturday night who was attending he was a guest at one of the parties that i was hosting the holiday parties and he was telling me numbers not my business to share on this show but brutal numbers about the losses that they're sustaining right now he says i don't know how much longer i can do this and that's not somebody you know somebody right now is going to be listening you're ye- you're yelling at your radio or you're 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 taking a look at the speaker where real talk is playing through and you're yelling cry me a river all these rich fat cat business people it's not always the case Sometimes it doesn't make sense for a business to operate anymore. You know, I saw that somebody did take a question, uh, take issue with 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 the way that I phrased a comment here. Uh, uh, TM says business leaders are terrified, Ryan. They're terrified. Give me a break with the rhetoric. It's the same nonsense thinking about fear of the NDP. No facts, just hyperbole. Uh, from TM. Meantime, Jason says Jespo's question regarding the business communities bang on. They do have a reason to be terrified when you do nothing to protect their interests. People are literally scared to go downtown. So there's the flip side of that coin. I stand by the question and I stand by invoking the word terrified because that's what people tell me, right? And we put the question in front of the mayor. What's your message to the business community? What's your message to people that feel like maybe nobody's in their corner or nobody's got their back when it comes to council deliberations about certain decisions, certain expenditures or where you're cutting back? thought it was really remarkable. So he's comments about that regional transit commission and, mm-hmm. and just basically I'm friends with Kathy Heron. I respect her personally, but I don't see what I need to see from that regional transit mm-hmm. uh, collaboration. All of the other mayors, I like mean, I'm talking in <laughs> yeah. unison, all of the other mayors are issuing a collective what the hell yeah. about that deal. And who doesn't respect Mayor Heron? She's great. Well, she's great. She's, she she's is great. great. Yeah. You can let us know what you think about this to talk at ryanjesperson.com. That's where you can send us an email. For a lot of you, you're going to hear this later. Uh, and, of course, you're going to uh, you know maybe take some time to chew on it, to digest what you heard. Uh, maybe you'll be able to put a thought together in time for Trash Talk. That's coming up on Friday, presented <laughs> by Local Environmental. For a bike lane. This could be a bike lane. <laughs> wow, but I hope, you know, here's the thing. Transit in general, it's a heated topic. Like, it is just. We did have a we did have a bike lane trash talk submission last week, and I'm mm-hmm. trying to remember who it was from. I, I, I can't remember the name, and I apologize. But but I remember kind of feeling as I was reading it, uh, you know, you, you can you can forecast the criticism that's going to come with it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I felt like the... The vent, well, I'm sure it felt great for the individual to get the vent out about bike lanes. It seemed to be a little bit more uh, emotional than evidence-based. Yeah, 
You and know what the, I mean? The comments, it, it missed the mark a little. But like again, it was, it was kind of like if council said, uh, we've, we've, we've found, uh, you know, an international uh, cyclist advocacy group uh, <laughs> that's fronted by a billionaire philanthropist. Oh, meet them. And they're going to, and they're going to, they're going to pay for the bike lanes, but we're going to build them. There would still be people pissed off about still. bike lanes. And, because it would be taking, and, and you hear the, the, the common complaints, right? It's taking parking away from the front of our mm-hmm. business, which is not a small thing. Mm-hmm. Not a small thing. Well, even right? Tania on the chat here says, uh, on crappy roads not designed for those bikes, Johnny. I get that, but like roads are literally built to be maintained. They're always There's always going to be crappy roads. Sure, there's I mean, always going to be roads being rebuilt, repaved. I mean, that, roads were designed for horses and carriages a while exactly. ago, right? They're not. Yeah. I try to find myself like somewhere in the middle. If I have uh, one of those chariots on the back of my bike, you know those ones that you <laughs> yeah, put kids course. in, right? So our little Noah Bear, he's going to be coming up on a year old this summer, mm-hmm. and he's going to be in the chariot, you know, behind my mountain bike, and 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 our our seven year old Wyatt's going to be riding his bike, and Mom's going to be on her bike, and mm-hmm. would I rather us be separated with a curb? And some visual, you know, impediments from vehicles crossing over into the bike lanes, mm-hmm. especially with everybody. If we're going to have real talk, let's be honest, everybody on their damn phones all the time behind mm-hmm. the wheel. You can't rip around on the sidewalk because people aren't looking up. So, yeah, so, so yeah. So, like, do do I believe that some people's, some people's focused complaints or issues that they take in specific circumstances on bike lanes have some validity? Sure. Do I believe that some people would support bike lanes, do support them wholeheartedly? Absolutely. Do I value bike lane? I hate when people interview themselves like I'm doing right now. Let me wrap it up. <laughs> Do I value them when I got my three most precious people in my life with me in the bike lane? Do I feel more safe? Do I appreciate it? Without a doubt. There you go. So I try to be reasonable with these types of things. But, you know, as a single person who drives a vehicle and can afford it, that it's not even on their radar. Yeah. It just doesn't matter to them, which is, which is you know, it's a little sad. We got to think about everyone. So that's, that's just, I, I haven't really changed my stance on this in... The whole time I've been in Edmonton and the whole time I've been in Edmonton, we've been talking about bike. Lanes. You know what I love about you, though? You, you know, you're, you're you're the perfect real talker, Johnny, even you. And you were a, a subscriber to the show before you mm-hmm. worked for us as well, because you show up. You may not change your mind through a debate, but you show up willing to have your mind yeah. changed if there's a compelling argument. Right. Well, I moved here from Vancouver too, where I, I get it. Edmonton's not Vancouver, but everything's accessible in Vancouver. The transit is just it works so good. And the bike lanes, you can ride a bike anywhere. So I, I know Edmonton's never going to get to that point. But it's nice to have these things that other major cities have. Yeah, so. maybe Vancouver has more of an appetite for some of that stuff. Of too. course, it'd be do. interesting of course to see what, what like, where is the political pressure applied, right? Mm-hmm. Is our next guest ready to rock? Is He's he, ready to is go. He, is he treading water Can right now? Can I show now? you is right he, now? This yeah, is incredible. I can't, <laughs> I can't wait for this. This is so. Ex- we've been waiting to get to this for a while. Okay, so let me let me do the proper preamble first because because he needs the proper preamble. Okay, every Tuesday on this show, you know, if you're a regular, we celebrate innovation. We celebrate Celebrate people taking an idea that makes sense in their head, an idea that could be transformative and applying it to the world around them, inspiring everybody that learns about it. We call it the leading edge. And this segment was cooked up, designed and executed by our friends at Leading Edge Physiotherapy. The founder of Leading Edge Physiotherapy is joining us live. This is a special edition of the leading edge. It's Grant Fedoric. Buddy, you're in a pool. What's going on right now? I'm trying to figure out, are your AirPods waterproof? I think they are. They're water resistant anyway. I don't think we can hear you. We want to get you off mute so I can Uh hear you. There we go. We got you loud and clear, buddy. Okay. Am I back? You're back. Welcome to the show. You're making your debut from the pool. I am. I am. Talk about technology and innovating. This is one of them, but... uh... I'm, I'm pretty excited to be here to show this off and uh, I'm working while exercising. That's what I've been up to for the last 20 some odd days, all counting down to Christmas, seeing if I can keep it going. So this, this what is better so way great. to do it than from here. Yeah, no kidding. So people can follow you uh, if they don't already. They can find you on Twitter at Leading Edge PT and you've been using the hashtag WWE working while exercising. How, how did you come up with the idea? Has this been like sort of like a life principle for you? No, I came up with the idea because I just started to become overwhelmed with all of the projects and work that we've been doing. And the very thing that got put by the wayside was exercise. And I thought I should put my money where my mouth is and see if I can keep it up and keep working and, you know, maybe 
get that balance by working and exercising at the same time. So it started on my Peloton and started to do Zoom meetings from there and started to book my meetings instead of lunch meetings. Let's go for walk meetings. Uh, those got put on hold a little bit with minus 30 and never take shots at Edmonton's weather because I love it hot, cold and all the way around. But it's not so easy to go for a walking meeting when your face is covered and you can't hear the person next to you. So today we thought we'd do it from the pool. This is great. Now, this isn't just like your your average ordinary. This isn't like a, a, a looks to me like a recreational swimming pool in your home. This looks to me to be some sort of like a therapeutic uh, type setup. Where where are you specifically? Yeah. Is this one of your new locations? Yeah, this is actually one of our new locations. We have three of these pools in the city. One is uh, fully operational, and it's in our original one. It's in St. Albert. We've been using that for the last decade, actually, to rehab injured patients. Um, being in the water, obviously, buoyancy takes a lot of the body weight off of a patient so they can start their recovery earlier. They can actually work themselves harder without the compressive forces of being on land. And then on top of it, the movement of this water, what you're seeing right now is the current moving at me. And it's not a jet pool. There's actually a paddle wheel pushing in the entire body of water against me. In a second, we'll have some fun. I'll crank it up all the way and see if I can walk against it. But for now, if you can imagine having that current against you makes challenges you in different ways, makes your core have to function in order to maintain your balance. And so instead of just the resistance of the water, you've actually got more dynamics at play. On top of it, Ryan, the cool thing about exercising in water is you've got this thing called you've got this thing called hydrostatic pressure. And that pressure prevents or helps to reduce the swelling that happens. So if you have a patient who's got a knee injury or an ankle injury or any injury that has swelling, the pressure of the hydrostatic pressure of the water helps to prevent swelling while you're exercising so this so I'm could just be, kind of this could be like yeah. people with with like hip replacements or, or shoulder surgeries or, or really pretty much anything you got it whatever we can use our imagination to do and we can unload their body create resistance get flexibility even using the water if you can imagine because of the buoyancy and using different implements that we've got like a flutter board for instance can be helpful for helping somebody gain range of motion that they might otherwise have troubles with. And the water is quite warm. It's nice compared to being outside right now. I might start huffing and puffing in a second. Yeah, because I'm, I'm sort of like, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit guilty because we do have, we, we've got this big studio and I'm sitting here just in the most comfortable leather seat, Grant, just watching you exercise, talking about the benefits of working while exercising. And uh, and yet here I am about as stagnant as it gets. So you have my word. I will work up a sweat at some point today. I promise you. Well, I think you should have a treadmill in the studio. I mean, you could be oh, doing this go. whole show on a treadmill. And I'm going to see if I can walk against the water right now at this. And it's not so easy for those who are watching. Now, this isn't something that we're going to do with a patient that's had a new injury. But we can also rehab high-end or work out high-end athletes in the water in order for them to get the exercise and workout that they need without perhaps having an injury. And I can tell you, our staff can put people through their paces and they get out and it is a hard workout. That was uh, a lot of work just to get up to you there. Hey, let me let me ask you about this because you've got, you, you've been opening new locations. I know you've got a beautiful one. Is it open yet? For people that know Edmonton, the Royal Glenora Club, right on River Valley Road, there's undergone a massive renovation. Have you opened your location there yet? Yes, that one is open and fully operational. Okay, the one I'm in right the one I'm in right now is our new facility at the Capilano Rehab Center. Ah. I might have to turn down the current here because I'm not going to be able to actually exercise with this thing at this pace. Woo! But I want to ask you uh, about like your if you're like because the whole point of this segment and, and we've had we've learned about like young inventors that have uh, turned the world upside down and come up with really cool ideas. We've talked about people that have been doing amazing things in fundraising and, and, and philanthropy. Um, but but the focus always comes back, obviously, as the presenting sponsor, a physiotherapist and, and a physiotherapy organization when, when it comes to innovation. There's got to be things that are changing all the time, like constant investments that you're making. I wanted to point to a tweet. This was unsolicited. I thought this was really great from the president and CEO of the Edmonton Elks Football Club. 
uh, Victor Cuey, and, I, and I, I hope I'm not blindsiding you with this. I'm sure you've seen this. He says, for the last three weeks, I've been suffering from vertigo that leaves my world spinning dizzy at random moments. He says, I felt helpless, scared, and confused. What a remarkable message from a corporate leader, by the way. He says, in one hour, leading-edge physiotherapy changed me with a blend of tech, care, and expert advice. He said he was grateful. What's He's sitting in something that looks like a sort of, it's like out of Star Wars or something. What is this? Yeah, that's called our, that's our TRV chair. There's one of them in Canada and we're fortunate right here in Edmonton and within Leading Edge to have that technology. What it allows us to do is patients that have what's called benign paroxysmal positional vertigo. Essentially what happens is little stone within your inner ear get dislodged from where they're supposed to be and end up in another part of the inner ear, which creates this massive disequilibrium. People feel like they're moving when they're not. When they turn their head, they might feel like they're doing somersaults. If they did a yoga pose, they feel like they're literally topsy-turvy. And we need to position, we need to put them in various positions with momentum in order to get those autoconia, those little stones, back to where they need to be. And what we've basically traditionally done is use maneuvers using our bodies and moving patients through it. But you can imagine there's some people who that's not going to be effective for if they've got neck injuries, uh, spinal cord injuries, various things that prevent us from moving them the way that we need to, or if we need to generate a certain amount of momentum to solve a more stubborn problem. That chair, like I said, one of the first in Canada, the first in Canada is very helpful for those patients and can be a very effective tool. So we're pretty excited to have it right here in Edmonton. Well, and for the guy to say, for Victor to say that he feels like he, he was cured in an out in one session, which is amazing, by the way. And and there's another testimonial here in our live chat, which I'm checking out. We sure appreciate everybody that streams this live on YouTube. Uh, this is good news. I don't know what location, Grant, but, but one of our audience members says that Rachel, your team member, Rachel at Leading Edge also alleviated her vertigo. That's Tracy. So that's good news. The stuff's working. Yeah, investing in technology, but not just for technology's sake. It's got to be evidence-based. So we do a lot of research to make sure that those tools that we're bringing to people are going to make a difference in their lives. Uh, and ultimately, we have a belief that if a professional athlete can have access to it, so should you. So yeah. this is technology that many of the Edmonton Oilers and other professional athletes have had access to for a long time. We just believe in bringing it to the everyday person who deserves it just as much. What's this uh, for people that are listening on the podcast? We, we got to paint a picture for them here. It looks like you've got a, a steering wheel from a huge spaceship. Uh, what is this thing that you're holding and, and, and working through the water? So anything basically that we can use in the water to create increased resistance. So you saw the current before, and that might be running in order for me to challenge my core core muscles like my abdominals and my glutes but at the same time i might want to do an upper body resistance movement and just my hand because it's not as big is only going to create so much resistance so i can do different things flutterboards or such in order to create more resistance in the water to make the exercise harder what i've got in my hand is exactly that it's just a simple thing from speedo anybody can actually use this in a, in a pool anywhere and that's actually one of the great things about our pool program is as somebody gets a workout in our program they can take these very exercises to the local community pools and do them on their own they don't necessarily have to spend all their time with us in our pool right although they do get to work one-on-one -on -one with our kinesiologist so that's that but a flutterboard can do the same thing especially against the resistance. You want to do a pec workout. If I cranked up that uh, that current again, which I'm not going to do because I started, started to get knocked over there. Um, I had it a little too high. But anyways, if you wanted to work out your pecs, for instance, just imagine a flutterboard in the water and instead of, you're just pushing it against the water. And as we increase resistance against somebody, we can literally do a workout on an entire upper body at the same time. Very or cool. Or triceps by pushing down. And so I've got a pretty good workout chatting with you this morning. I mean, I'm, uh, I might have to keep it going for a little while longer so that I get my cardio in. But Well, it sounds like we've got some experts that are watching right now. Somebody says this is a very expensive Epley maneuver machine. That's very cool. That's, is that that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, Grant, uh, I also want to just recognize um, your family, and I'm not trying to embarrass you here, uh, but your family, you talk about putting your money where your mouth is. Uh, we were mentioning uh, the cash mob uh, that went down just about a week ago as well. And I know your wife, uh, Heidi, you guys partner in incredible ways to support a number of different causes. A lot of it you keep quiet, and some of it is front-facing. Uh, but when it comes to supporting small businesses, uh, you yourself, obviously an entrepreneur, that's 
been huge. And I think if I remember correctly, this was the this was the fiftieth cash mob that has splashed well over $150,000 into local businesses. And I just wanted to recognize that before we wish you a, a happy holidays. I, I like to point out when people are, are contributing to their communities in a number of different ways, it deserves that recognition. So to you and to your wife, Heidi, who's the straw that stirs the drink on that one in particular, big kudos. Yeah. And you've got a great platform for spreading the word for these amazing charities and the local businesses that need our help. And as far as we're concerned, community is the most important part of what we do. So that's what we're here to do is make a difference. And we can fix person one, one at a time out there or in our chair or in a pool. But the impact we can make by getting outside of our doors and helping local businesses and charities is just continuous. And we're very, very grateful to be a part of Edmonton. Love it, buddy. Thanks for hopping in the pool with us this morning and, uh, and working while exercising, setting a great example. Yeah, take a load off, will you? There he goes. I think I'll just rest a little bit now. That's Grant Fedoric doing his Dead Sea move. He's the founder of Leading Edge Physiotherapy and a great friend of the show. Of course, The Leading Edge is presented every Tuesday right here on Real Talk by Leading Edge Physiotherapy, celebrating and living a commitment to innovation. You can check them out online today at leadingedgephysio.com. Life shouldn't hurt. Are you feeling as, uh, I don't want to project, Johnny, but are you feeling as lazy as I am right now? <laughs> I thought, as soon as I saw him sign into Zoom, I'm like, Uh-oh. oh, God. Uh-oh. We're arguing about bike lanes and he's getting a workout in. And this is the same, <laughs> this is the same theme. We've had other people coming on here as well, suggesting that we need a treadmill here in the studio. You know, my trainer, like Graham Duty. He, we, Graham yeah. Duty wants to see a treadmill in the studio here as well. I just. Well, you got a Pelly at home, right? Yeah, we got a Peloton at home. You should drag home. it in here. Yeah, maybe. It's not maybe. doing any good in the. In the Although, uh, if, if I get it out of the house, then Carrie's. <laughs> going to wonder where the hell the Peloton went, so I don't know if that's going to work. Uh, yeah, people are asking if, if pools are open right now. They are. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was doing a little bit of training just a couple of weeks ago. It's 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 harder than you think. I know I might Resistance, be, sta- I might yeah. be sk- stating something obvious here, but Graham, uh, GrahamDuty.com, he says to me, he goes, we're just going to get you. Uh, we started by just running. Okay, mm-hmm. so my feet can touch the bottom of the pool floor and you just run 25 meters at a time as fast as you can, which is actually not that fast No, in water. <laughs> it's not that fast, but you get to the end of 25 meters, you turn around, you come back, you've done 50 meters. It's like, wow, you mm-hmm. feel it. And then you can put on fins and then you hold your breath and you do the, you know, go underwater for as far as you can. You work on your breathing mm-hmm. I and mean, all these, these wellness things. And it's been neat to see Grant Fedoric. I mean, he's been, like he said, he's been doing it for about three weeks now. Um, at taking his Zoom meetings, like his work meetings while he's on the Peloton. I think that, you know, you mm-hmm. might get, remember the trend a while ago when people started to do the standing desks? Yes. Or maybe it started with people using the, what do you call those, like the exercise balls, the big inflatable balls instead of the standard desk chair? I believe they call them fitness orbs. Are they fitness orbs? (laughs) That's what they call them now. But even, I've seen, they even have like treadmill desks now where you just walk slowly while you're working the whole time, which is good too but i I love the pool because you know less chance for injury right so yeah yeah yeah, absolutely that that resistance is is really important and really key to to effective training so uh, thanks to grant for joining us here really appreciate that uh of course the leading edge physiotherapy is is uh one of our partners uh one of those family-owned businesses that like we said make a very real contribution to communities and the list of those types of businesses here in partnership with us at real talk is something that we're really proud of it includes the Cardinal and Lieber families who own and operate the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. How great to go from a conversation about exercise into a conversation <laughs> about ice cream, baby. <laughs> this is about what Oscar Wilde was talking about. Everything in moderation, including moderation. So if you're getting set to celebrate the holidays, maybe you've already worked up a sweat walking the dogs. Maybe you've already shoveled your walk and you owe yourself a treat. Nobody does treats like the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park, including the Buster Bars, the Dilly Bars, the Dairy Free Dilly Bars, the Blizzard Cakes, the Treats of Pizzas, the world famous Blizzards, and let's not forget from the Hot Station, those signature stack burgers. If you've got a hunger that needs to be crushed, may we recommend the Dairy Queens in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road. Now, if you're looking to ramp up your hunger in a bit of a different direction, I'm talking Christmas dinner, then look no further than Friesen Brothers. Out of their 16 Alberta locations, they're offering 
a December to remember. You can check out their Mike's Meals with a beautiful turkey sandwich in store at the Friesen Brothers Kitchen locations and then of course the Ukrainian inspired Christmas dinner box I am screaming this from the rooftops as loud as I can because it's $60 to feed four people $15 a person for a full Ukrainian inspired Christmas feast that's awesome why would you go any further why would you do the work yourself it doesn't make any sense you got the turkey the pierogies they make the cranberry sauce from scratch you could add on granny loves some famous Christmas cake I recommend the lazy cabbage rolls and in particular I think the carrots and the creamy dill sauce Mm. are the best part of the whole meal the carrots and the creamy dill sauce are unreal go to freezing.com to place your order today if you're paying too much for electricity right now if your natural gas bill almost prompted you to sit down and take a breather on the couch you're trying to wrap your mind around the costs this time of year why not take literally two minutes today and go to parkpower.ca they guarantee that they're going to find a way to save you money the fixed rate variable rate debate you could be paying double what you'd be paying right now if you go over to park power see what i'm talking about at parkpower.ca and don't forget when you sign up two things number one the promo code 2022 real talk knocks 70 dollars off your first bill no strings attached and number two you get to choose which charity is going to benefit from some of the proceeds of your business with park power they give back who else does that on the big business side of utilities zero that's who else only park power at parkpower.ca at kubi renewable energy they're providing solar energy solutions to power your life boy did we have fun with them at their christmas party celebrating a record year more people in bc and alberta have gone solar last year than any year before and they have bold plans for 2023 john they told me something they gave me permission to share it with our audience what's that Kubi has 20% of the market share of solar installs in Alberta and BC. Way to go, Kubi. How wild is that? One in five systems in Western Canada, except for Saskatchewan. Sorry, Saskatchewan. (laughs) One in five systems is installed by Kubi Renewable Energy. They are the experts. You can get a quote today for free at kubienergy.ca. And one quick shout out. I wanted to let you know, if you are looking to upgrade your ride right now, I mean, today might be a a lousy day for you personally, but the perfect day to hear this message, maybe this is the day that your longtime steed, you know, that station wagon, that pickup that served you so well has just decided they've had enough. (laughs) Look no further than Sherwood and St. Albert Dodge. They've got the 2022 Hornet coming soon. They've got the Ram 1500 Classic on $10,000 in total discounts. And of course, they've got that Dodge Durango, a beautiful SUV with lots of room for a family, your snowboards, your golf clubs, your dogs, you name it. You can find a perfect fit today at Sherwood and St. Albert Dodge. You can shop them online or in person. Link to them through the Sponsors tab on our website. Your chariot. Your chariot, your steed. You know, for a lot of people, it's like if your car doesn't start in minus 35, you just go, I don't blame you. Yeah. Who wants to start now anyway? How's yours been? Mine's been doing incredible. Mine actually runs better in the cold because it's one of these CVT engines. I don't know why. It just it's better in the cold. I got to say, like, you know, I'm driving that new Ram 1500. And so it's like it's it's what you expect. I parked it on Friday in our work parking outside. Mm-hmm. I parked it on Friday, worked a party, Ubered home, obviously. Saturday, was enjoying some family time, and then Ubered to the party I was hosting Saturday, and then obviously Ubered home. So this thing was in an and then icebox Sunday, <laughs> I decided we were going to have family time, and I thought, I'll yeah. just Uber to work Monday morning. So it sat there for like 72 hours, covered in snow and ice, in minus 30 And I walked out from work yesterday at like 5.30 and I hit the double start to like remote start it and Mm. just wham, just started right up. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like I was, I was talking to it like it was a human. Like I got in and I sat down and I went, "Ada boy. Remote start is key. Oh, it's key. When we went looking for a new vehicle for just before this winter, my wife had the checklist and the first three were like remote start. Yes. (laughs) Heated seats. Yes. Heated steering wheel. (laughs) 
Uh, self-opening trunk. So we got the one where you kick under it and it opens up. So oh, when you're holding your groceries in the cold, but yeah, those are great. Yeah. Love that. Brenda says she ordered her freezing dinner box. Way to go, Brenda. You're going to be loving it. I guarantee it. 60 bucks. Yeah. 60 bucks for four people. Are yeah. you kidding me? It's great. Like turkeys. I was talking to a guy just the other day. He was talking about you getting, picking up a turkey, picking up a prime rib. He's like, he's paying more for that than he would pay for the whole meal. Anyway. People are like, are you still talking about the Christmas dinner? I'm like, yeah, man. I can talk about turkey dinner all day. Just watch me. I will talk about turkey dinner all day. I wanted to let you know coming up uh, over over the next couple of days what's going on here on Real Talk. Okay, on Wednesday tomorrow, a longtime Real Talker by the name of Lou Jobs is going to join me in studio. Lou wrote in after our conversation on homelessness a few days ago. He said, I was homeless for years in Vancouver Edmonton, Calgary, some of the major Canadian cities. He's got his life on track. Not just that, but he's giving back in major ways. Lou is is a, a big team member. Like he contributes a lot with the uh, '60s Scoop Indigenous Society of Alberta. Mm. They've got a fundraiser coming up because they've got some programs that are that are literally. I mean, like Mayor So he said here, people's lives are at risk this time of year due to a number of different factors, including cold, including uh, a lot of times opioid poisoning and the like. Lou's going to sit with me in studio for what I'm expecting is going to be an absolutely powerful conversation and then we're going to talk to a university of alberta researcher that has evidence and proof that hobbit-like beings <laughs> inhabited planet earth about one hundred and fifty thousand years ago are we talking about jerome the gnome no well about that size <laughs> they found skeletal remains in caves of like dozens of of and i don't even know if you call them human remains we'll ask the we'll ask the doctor tomorrow because I don't know if they qualify as humans. Are you trying to... Is this elves? Are we tying it feels into Christmas? Like they feel like elves. They look like... <laughs> I've seen some of the photos, and we're going to show them to you on Wednesday's show. Uh, it might be one to watch on YouTube as opposed to listening to the podcast because they've found these remains that are leading researchers to believe they're describing them as hobbit-like creatures. Wow. And of course, it'll open up the door for all of our precious uh, <laughs> impressions, which we'll try to steer clear of. And then Sean Canungo is going to join us in studio oh on Thursday. Gosh. This guy is an innovation strategist super smart dude which is a, a really neat uh position to take we always want to around this time of year start looking at what does the next year look like what's going to inspire us what changes can we make what direction is society moving in and sean's got some great insights there he'll join us on thursday and can i just say very easy on the eyes look at this guy he is beautiful man i've ever seen in my a, life he's a good looking fella <laughs> uh both you and i are gonna have to ask him what product he uses in his hair yeah skin yeah, he's skin, routine. skin routine skin routine <laughs> maybe we'll lead with that <laughs> sean enough about disruption and innovation what is your bedtime routine <laughs> We'll get into it all on Thursday. And Thursday is going to be a really fun show as well because, of course, that's our final show of the calendar year unless you support us on Patreon. So Trash Talk on Thursday and then on Friday. Check your emails later today, Patreon supporters. It's our Real Talk Patreon party exclusively for you. Our way of saying thank you for everything you do for the show. That's coming up Friday, December 23rd. Check out our website for more on Patreon. We'll see you soon. Real Talk is Real hosted Talk by is hosted Ryan Jesperson. Executive producer, Josh Dunford. Technical producer, John Hicks. General manager, Katie Cook-Chivers. Account coordinator, Lawrence Durlego. Human resources, Lena Shepard. Website design, Mike Johnston. Voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a Relay Project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.